Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens with mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Welcome to Yeah Na Passaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And this week we are joined by, oh, it's Australia's premier troublemaker, Tom Tanaki. Thanks for coming on, Tom. Leading anti-extremism political researcher, specialist researcher into extremism. That's that's how I refer to myself nowadays. We thought we'd get you on to talk about your new Strategic Centre for Extremism and Counterterrorism Analysis Consortium. <laughs> that's what it's called. That's a more charming uh, nickname. I, haven't, I don't know if there's an acronym for it. What I'm planning to do is to get copious amounts of grant money in order to file reports, just ripping from everything that you guys actually find out. But I'm going to rip it all off and I'm going to put it into reports that I sell to ASIO, but all I'm going to tell them to do is to hire more spooks. And that's my plan for for extremism and for my career. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's Uh, good to me. 10%. (laughs) You want to cut? You want to cut? Bloody oath I do. You're in bed with big extremism. <laughs> bed, bed with big counter-terrorism. <laughs> 10%, fine, done deal. Excellent. Well, Tom, we didn't get you on to talk about your consortium. We thought there's been a few things going on that you've been paying attention to, and we thought we'd get, have a little chat with you about them. Yeah, let's let's chat. Let's talk. I guess the first thing is there was a drag expo in Melbourne the other day, and with any event with the word drag in the name of it, of course, there had to be a counter-protest yeah. of anti-LGBTQ protesters. But in this case, unlike quite a few times over the past three years when cookers have had the run of Melbourne, there was a counter-protest to the counter-protest. And it seemed like the anti-drag expo protest was a bit of a fizzer. Yeah, I I think that it, it was... Quite surprising to me, I I thought they'd get a certain amount of people that wouldn't be as many as they thought they would, but 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 more than I hoped. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought they'd maybe get about five hundred people, and I say that because there's been so much attention paid to 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 demonising drag performers, to to this this sort of global, really far right, hyper partisan media slash propaganda propaganda apparatus demonising the very existence of trans people that 
you you mistake that for political will sometimes, and and indeed we all, we all we would be fools to suggest that conspiracists in Australia can never again get lots of people. I mean, I'll never again assume that that's beyond them after the pandemic. I, I the right circumstances, and even they can get a hundred thousand people for absolutely nothing. So. We, we know they can get people, but they're, I mean, pretty specific estimates assume about 70 people. And when you've had months to arrange a rally around a cause that's got a, a global far-right hyperpartisan propaganda apparatus backing it up and you only get 70 people, it suggests that all of that, that will that we think we see is really just the will cultivated by these outlets for people to subscribe to them. It's really just a consumerist kind of will. It's it's keeping people addicted to media and then commenting accordingly online, which we mistake on some of that 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 white noise for being real political will, but it's not, is it? It's not, is it, if, if after all these warnings about child groomers and that kind of thing, all that hysteria constantly bubbling away online, all these people can get for the real deal, the, the mobilising in aid of that vital cause, 70 people. I'm an eternal optimist anyway, so I kind of tend to frame things like that. But yeah, I, I, it was a fizz up, Ken. They got no mm. people and I was relieved and entertained to see that. So I did a big video on that. I, I, I talked about it and I, I was really interested in that fact and I was interested also in how difficult cookers, because these people are cookers. I, I, I wouldn't call you a cooker for being a, a transphobe, but they're, they're, they're the remnants of the conspiracist anti-lockdown movement, so they really, really are cool. Because, I mean, ask them what I think about the New World Order or kids in tunnels, and they've probably got some rich opinions for you on that as well. So they are cool because they, they had the run of the streets for years without anyone contesting them. Oh, sure, they had the cops, but the cops don't. The cops aren't a... You're able to sort of otherize them. They're not... You're able to go, oh, that's the cops, that's the state, the government are against me kind of thing, and, and, and indeed they were. They were very brutal with the people from this movement. What I'm saying is they weren't used to the idea of other people from the community going, I don't agree with you. Well, they had the disagreement, but they haven't had it materialise in the streets of them much at all. But, of course, now they've moved on to trans bashing and queer bashing and a lot of people who might have copped their views on the veracity of the novel coronavirus might not have minded. They do mind what they think about trans people. I do. Every anti-fascist I know does. We think it's abhorrent and we think there's people, real people that need protecting at the end of that. So, yeah, so they had some opposition. They had some people trying to stop them from moving their little big speaker stack that they roll around, like moving that out to the front of the drag expo, because these people are trying to harass families heading into and out of this family-friendly event. But that's not on. Like, leave them alone. Leave people alone. You're not protecting children. You're all sus yourselves. Leave them alone. You've just been you've been bamboozled by hyperpartisan far right propaganda. <laughs> you, you, you're not you're not protecting any kids. There's no kids being saved by what you're doing. You're just making it hard for for queer people. So they got a bit of def- uh, a bit of uh, pushback in that respect, and they just couldn't handle it. Oh, they ran to the police. These are the people, the people running to the police about their political opposition in the form of the community. A handful of people standing there stopping them from harassing people outside the event. These were the same people who were standing in front of police lines for two years screaming at them that they were all going to be hung in the Nuremberg 2.0 trials. And now they want 
help from the police to like arrest someone who tore one of their signs apart. <laughs> I think it's really funny. That's an admirable degree of uh, flexibility there, Tom. It is. It is. It is. And trust. And trust in the police force. I mean, they're, they're trusting in the police force's capacity to turn around and do good, which is nice of them. But, yeah, I, I, I find it entertaining. Good on them for suddenly loving the cops and not wanting to hang them in Nuremberg 2.0 anymore. I'm sure the boys in blue are relieved that they're going to be spared that war crimes trial. Um, is it true, Tom, that my impression was that the the event was kind of it was missing a number of those uh, faces that I identify as having been leading personalities uh, previously at, at other rallies at the peak of the anti-lockdown movement and so on? Yes, that is true. But moreover, some of, there were some big names among the anti-lockdown movement who committed to be speakers at that event who then didn't appear. So there were actual no-shows. Why that is, I don't know. For example, which is one example, there was a few others that don't come to mind right now, but Layla Milky, who runs a online page, just had a bit of a presence online, once threatened to sue me for defamation because she contracted the novel coronavirus and I simply said that she had the novel coronavirus. She sent me a defamation threat. I don't know how that's defamatory, but... I just want to make it clear as well. It's not like she was on video uh, a bit sniffly and you said she had the novel coronavirus. I think she posted a photo of a COVID, positive COVID test. <laughs> you, Kim, you, you're so right. I'd forgotten that. I had forgotten. You could have gotten away with getting me to say that she had just looked sniffly because that's all I remembered. But you're absolutely right. Was it? I can't remember. I posted it and it travelled about a bit, certainly. I I think it, I, don't, I don't know I think it came from me. I looked she posted a photo of her negative test and I zoomed in on it and I saw that it actually had a very faint line <laughs> under the positive. So anyway, so that was her. She was she's a big time speaker. She had a lot of followers on Instagram. Was followed by quite a few people and she committed to go and she just didn't show up. Now it's a very follower a sort of figurehead oriented Movement, or it was in its heyday. So, did that influence the numbers? To, to be honest, I, I don't think so much because I think that the movements just retreated to the online space so much. So, I don't know how much they really mobilise people for anything. Yeah, I, I, this this should have been a a moment for them to demonstrate their stretch capacity because all the big names in their movement that are still interested in this kind of thing on the scraps of their movement, they all pr- plugged it. It should have been big time. So they've shown that they they've shown that they're not able to handle opposition, and they show they're not able to muster many people, which is a real relief given what we're talking about here. We're talking about trying to jazz up and rejuvenate transphobia and the like by giving it a a, a lick of a thin lick of paint, doling it up as being. Child advocacy, that's what they tend to call themselves, child advocacy activists at the moment, uh, which is very very self-complimentary of them. But, yeah, so I I think it was a good sign. In fact, the next week, actually last weekend gone, there was another bit of a tussle between them and some anti-fascists, as I understand it, in the street in which they kind of got pushed off the block they were standing on. So it's really nice to see them getting some pushback from people. I think people have had enough. And let's not forget, despite the fact that they all got 100,000 people 
Melbourne's still a left city when it comes to activist since. That is not, that tendency is not lost. I think it was, it was sent dormant a little bit by the pandemic, but it ain't the height of the pandemic anymore. Coronavirus is still around, but people are able to go out again. It's nice to see them doing so to respond to these people now that they're being organised homophobes. Well, Tom, shifting gears now from cookers to the creme de la creme of Australian conservatism, mm. we had CPAC last weekend. Yeah. Which I don't think you could call any of those people cookers. <laughs> they were very oriented last year around asking everyone. And they were very aimless. CPAC 2022 was a very aimless affair, but it, it was very oriented around trying to scoop up some political will from cookers whilst that was still a thing. Um, there were lots of speeches last year's abortive CPAC Australia in which they were saying, oh, hands up if you've ever been caught a conspiracy theorist and a smattering of people in the small crowd cheering and that kind of thing. That's what they were trying to do then. Now they're trying to orient around Indigenous bashing and trans bashing. So the the big, one of the things that got quite a few headlines was this comedian that they had on, Rodney Marks. Mm. Now, I think maybe we should just address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Why do you think it is that Rodney Marks got a CPAC spot and Ostentatious is still around? Get up. Get Ostentatious in. Can we have Woke Australiana, please? That would be. I mean, Ostentatious is, was really tonguing for a spot in anti-PC Australian comedy a little while ago, wasn't he? Whereas Rodney Marks, on the other hand, I'm going to read you because I had a bit of a squeeze through Rodney Marks' Twitter not long ago. He describes himself as a comic hoaxer. I'm not sure he understands what the word hoaxer means because if you put on a character and you're paid to get up and talk, it's not really a hoax. I don't understand. I don't think that that's a hoax. Uh, They announced afterwards that his name was a pun on the word. This this Rodney Marx's character's name was a pun on the words, I'm the boss. I, I don't. That's not a hoax. That's just a character. And then you go afterwards, oh, he was a character. But look, Rodney Marks posted, now that Barry Humphreys has died, hopefully there will be more work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Now. That's funny. That's funny. Okay, but what is it? Is it? Is it a joke or is it just a genuine expression that I'm looking forward to getting more work? Because I, because this Twitter doesn't cry for help. Yeah, (laughs) for help. I think it's an earnest expression that I'm looking forward to receiving more work now that another member of the Australian comedy community is deceased. And this, because this is, if you look at this person's Twitter, it has no engagement, and 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 they they're not they don't they don't have. They don't have any interest in in them or their their work or their life, but um, but there you have it. Look, yes, he got up and he was very very offensive towards indigenous people, and I'm not quite clear of the way in which it was all jokes beyond its, its barefaced abuse. But the crowd wasn't either. I think beyond the audio, which silences the crowd, obviously, you could still hear a smattering of the audience reaction to certain things. And there were moments where he said unashamedly racist things towards Indigenous people and the crowd didn't laugh because they listened to it and they said, yeah, I agree with that. And I, so I don't, I don't know what, I don't think that, People like this have a very firm grasp on what's comedy. For example, CPAC Australia got really mad at people afterwards online, or rather they were like came on to go, ha triggered, and they were saying to people who were 
slagging the performance off. They're going, you don't get the joke. The joke is that you're meant to be offended and now you are. Well, that's not a joke. That's just provocation at a particular person. That doesn't mean that it has the trappings of a joke. And I don't think these people understand. I think they're just so fixated upon basing their entire moral worldview upon the perceived failings of some left bogeyman that betrayed them, giving them their joker backstory for why they're all CPAC convention attendees now. I think, I think so they've all got this big excuse that, oh, as long as it makes lefties mad, as long as it makes lefties mad, it's absolutely worth it. Well, that's not a rounded worldview, is it? Like, do you do anything as long as it makes someone you don't like mad? Will you do anything? Will you go, will you endorse pedophilia as long as it makes the left mad? Well, that would trigger, because that would trigger me if they all endorsed pedophilia tomorrow. Would it trigger you? Yeah, I think I might be triggered by that. If, if a, a prominent figure within that space was to start saying children should be married off at the age of 12, I might find that a, a bit weird. There we go. There, now we have it. We're, we're revealing our weakness right here. We're revealing our weakness. This the, the, the secret devastating final blow to us is to come out and say at the next CPAC that you endorse pedophilia. That would get the left on its knees. Weak need incapable of responding. There we go. Hopefully the masterminds at CPAC take that on board. I, I th actually, I did think in relation to this comedian or performer or whatever they are, and, and in terms of their kind of racist invective against Indigenous peoples, it did remind me of Milo Yiannopoulos, who also had some comments to make about the subject of pedophilia. So maybe you need to be foreign and, I don't know, a star before you can actually induce that kind of reaction on the part of the crowd. But nonetheless, CPACs change over the years. For example, 2020 CPAC in Australia, they banned Lauren Southern because it came out. It came out first that she was living here and then most us, people like us, journalists and so on and so forth, came out and said, well, this person is done. They've had connections with some of the most militant neo-Nazis in all of Europe and America and stood on a boat to try and, that, that was arguably trying to capsize refugee vessels in the Mediterranean, and then they got scared of getting told off, so they cancelled her. Whereas this year they bring on Elijah Schaefer, who's just... Lauren Southern 2.0, mind you, he's also come to Australia to live with his partner and raise a, raise a kid and fade into irrelevance in Australia. And rhetoric-wise, he's way worse than Lauren Southern. Well, I just put him on. They've run out of what little principles I had left and they're going, oh, wow, maybe that illicit dalliance with white supremacy that he's got going will give us some more clout. That's that's all they're left. So they, they've run out of what little pretend principles they ever had left over the course of the year. So it'll be interesting. Perhaps they will abandon it. Perhaps, uh, who knows what they'll be talking about in the years to come because it won't be guided by anything moral or ethical, that's for sure. It'll only be guided by opportunity. Oh, I did see a, a comment that I thought was quite telling the other day. A, a few months back, Cam Wilson from Crikey did a couple of stories. He revealed that an editor at the Daily Mail had a secret neo-Nazi Twitter account and there's also some guy who like wrote for The Spectator or maybe, no, I think it was for a bunch of those yeah. publications yeah. and also had a Twitter account where he was pretty loose in terms of some of his invective. And yeah, both of these guys sort of went off Twitter. I think actually maybe all of this guy's articles are still up at The Spectator, which just goes to show how much they care. 
But this comment was along the lines of, Cam Wilson doesn't get that this is just how young conservative people speak now. Oh, that's good. Uh, That's fine then. (laughs) The youth of tomorrow. Mm. But I was like, maybe that person's right. It's just there seems to, and we spoke about this with Jason Wilson before CPAC the other day, there seems to be like a little bit of a disconnect between maybe the people organising CPAC or getting people like Elijah Schaefer on at CPAC Mm. And maybe the people in conservatism who still have any interest in actually winning elections. Yeah, it's not for it's not for building political will anymore, is it? I, I often feel like that. I often feel like there's elements of the US far right and the Australian one as well who've who've well and truly confused what it takes to have a successful far right hyperpartisan media organization with lots of subscribers who are really addicted to your brand of shock hatred with building enough political will to get across the post. I really think that they enjoy the, the a very highly energised media audience and then they think, oh, okay, well, we're going to rise, we're going to have another Trump moment, so on and so forth. I, I Yeah, I think this is a real failing among this, like, reactionary far-right conservative scene here, particularly here. You can't speak for America. I mean, that is where Trump got in after all. But... They're 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 definitely all arranging around their causes. I mean, this this year was very very much around the the voice. Everyone arranging for everyone to everyone agitating at the conference for everyone to vote no. But I noticed that the the the, the draw for most of these speakers, in order to have the soundbite of the moment, like some of them did have, is to go beyond talking about the merits or lack thereof of the proposition contained in the referendum. They've got to go straight through to telling porkies about what will happen. Like, can you talk about your concerns over the referendum, the proposal, without suggesting that it's going to lead to a UN takeover? Like, do you have a way to simply tell the truth rather than telling lurid, invariably untrue horror stories about what's going to happen? Or also, can you talk about it without moving into Indigenous bashing? Because I know that's the quote that gets you in the paper. Again, they're very good at doing that. They're very good at getting their media moments. But can you debate the referendum without Indigenous bashing? This lot cannot do so. But do you think, Tom, they need to? As in, I mean, two of the very prominent speakers and, in fact, the chairman of uh, CPAC Australia is... Warren Mundine, yeah, he and just Enterprise have been two of, the, I think, the kind of the faces of the uh, no campaign. Yeah, is it necessary for them to put an especially cogent argument uh, against voting yes, or are they instead forced to rely on these other kinds of uh, fears and anxieties in order to activate the base to try and ensure that the uh, referendum fails. Yeah, you're right. I'm making a, a moral or ethical call to people now that you now that you mentioned that. I mean, I'm, I'm just silly when you're talking with these parasites and ghouls. Like, why should I suggest to them to do the right thing when we just spent however many minutes talking about how they never do the right thing? They only do that which gives them more opportunity. Yes, you're absolutely right. They, they don't have to. And indeed, it's easier to to argue with fear-mongering tactics against a proposition in a referendum. This is why a lot of referendums don't get up because the proposition's easier to get a, easier to 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 naysay when it's such a sweeping thing that requires a referendum to get across the line. Far easier to naysay than it is to get consensus on. And there's a, there's there has been a range of inadequacies or concerns 
related to the clarity or the 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 substantial purpose or the outcome of the voice as it is. And those things are probably issues you could say with the yes campaign. You know what I mean, uh, all the no people have to do is capitalise on those. But you're right. I mean, the, the, the best way to capitalise on hesitation uh, about something is to turn that hesitation or confusion into outright fear. And that's what this lot are very good at doing. But I tell you what, I'm sure they'll be beating their drum saying it's their responsibility. I mean, or it's their, 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 their win if the referendum doesn't get up. But <laughs> these people are a drop in the ocean. Yes, they can get lots of people on Sky News, that, 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 that their, mem- their viewership feeling very scared, lots of boomers behind the televisions being fretting over this or that. But I, I think if the referendum doesn't get up, it won't be because of CPAC 2023 or its array of opportunist speakers. One thing that comes to mind is a, a few months ago, Pauline Hanson came out with like the secret document that the, the minutes of the pro-voice meeting that had been left behind at a cafe in Canberra. It was like the protocols of the elders of Fishwick or something. <laughs> and it was like if, if the voice gets up, you'll have to pay Aboriginals to go to the beach, all this insane stuff. Oh, that's where the beach thing comes from, isn't it? Yes, I remember that lurid document. Yeah, because it's not, yeah, you can't just say the thing, can you? You have to tell a big fairy tale around the thing to get a mm. certain kind of audience that someone like Hanson Pandas do. You have to tell a fairy tale there, don't you? It's like, do they believe it? Or, <laughs> like, that's what, you never know with Hanson. Do you believe it? And am I a goose if I sit there and try and correct you on it or have a honest conversation with you on it? You know what I mean? I mean, in the next minute they can make up another thing. And are you forced to? This is the question, isn't it? Are we, must we correct people who are stream of consciousness making up fairy tales? This is what something I've always struggled with, conspiracists and the far right generally. Do you, must you always do that? Because it's easy. Like, for example, I used to play a character in my old 2016 videos. I used to play a fake far right nationalist for the old Million Flag Patriots sort of anti-fascist comedy project that I used to do many moons ago. It's probably all, we all came initially to know each other eventually, right? Now, I used to stream of consciousness, recording to the camera, acting as someone who was a nationalist, hyper-nationalist, ultra-nationalist lunatic who was invincible. That's what I used to do. And I used to find it extremely easy to stream of consciousness, make things up. I was doing it for entertainment purposes, but I could do it nonetheless. Nowadays, when I have to tell actual truth things, true things, I find it really hard. I've got to script it. See, I've got to do all the research. And I, I always remember that when I'm looking at these people. I'm like, their game, which just involves them willy-nilly making things up, is a lot easier than cleaning up the mess afterwards. Well, Tom, on that cheery note, we'll let you go. Thanks for thanks having for, me. Thanks for popping on the show. Oh, we uh, never talked about all the Nazi side of things at the conference. Oh, it doesn't matter. Listen, I tell you what, if you want to read about some of the other stuff, my other thoughts, I mean, plenty of people have written very adequately about this. One probably most adequately has been yourself, Sight Bastard, so everyone pay attention. I assume I don't need to tell your listeners to pay attention to Slack Bastard. You know, but I also I wrote in my last Independent Australia column about some of the various connections because there's just far too many for it to be normal like uh, heaps of connections to the national socialist network at this one conference i mean it's in a really punching above their weight in that respect but i just think it's like really really telling that like all of these people have fostered all these connections with this tiny little as you always say slack bastard group of skill of like like neo-nazis i, I just like 
They wouldn't know a principle of it hit them over the head, but they really should do something about that. I think you'd all agree. Mm. A very strange little milieu those group of schools are in. Yeah. Just before we go, Tom, obviously you spend a lot of your time watching this stuff so that we don't have to, and there are other anti-fascist researchers who do that as well. And a little plug then for a benefit gig at Cafe Gummo on High Street in Thornbury on September... 15, Friday of September 15, a fundraiser for anti-fascist researchers and the Black People's Union. 15 bucks to get in. There's also a Chuffed campaign raising money if you look up support anti-fascist research on Chuffed. Please get along uh, to that, everyone, and please donate some money. These are groups that are being fundraised for who really don't put the hand out and ask for money much or at all, and, 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 but I have seen behind the scenes just how much expenses there are in the kind of work that, that it requires to keep looking at the kind of parasites who who dedicated anti-fascist researchers expose and who otherwise might try and organise to the degree that they kill people. So I think it's really, really important work, and if you could all go and chip in, I think that would be legendary of you. Or go along to Gummo. Gummo is one of the best bars in Melbourne, anti-fascist dive bar. If you haven't been along and drunk there yet, what the hell is wrong with you? And, of course, if people don't support them, there's nothing for the Strategic Centre for Extremism and Counterterrorism Analysis Consortium to report on. The most important in the country. Of course, we at the Consortium for Specialist Counterterrorism Security Investigative Research Consortium, we won't be looking, we won't be receiving any of the funds because we're already getting millions of dollars in grants. So we'll be fine. Uh, We're going to get millions and we're going to take everyone else's work. So thank you to anti-fascist research groups for letting us use all your work. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us. People can find you, of course, on X and uh, you're on YouTube and Patreon. Check it out. Thank you so much, everyone. All right, That's us. We'll catch you next week. See you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Have you experienced or seen racism against blackfellas? Report racism against First Nations people with Call It Out, an online register to expose racism. Stand up. Be heard. Call it out. Go to callitout.com.au. A 3CR supporter. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Copower gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Copower member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Copower today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter.